as we um, start off the uh, second episode of the Psych Effect podcast with Dimitri Bick and Steph DeGraff, I wanted to ask you right off the bat, as you were watching the Super Bowl halftime show, were you at all concerned that a pregnant woman was suspended 100 or 150 feet in the air on like four three or four wires because i was terrified for this woman <laughs> hey, Dimitri. you know i, I watched the, the super bowl with family and everybody in the room seems to be rooting for rihanna and it was apparently the rihanna show that was interrupted by a few quarters of the nfl game uh, but there was a debate in the room I was in. Is she pregnant? <laughs> so apparently nobody knew right? she was pregnant. She looked pregnant, right? Right. I actually had to be told this by my wife because I didn't even pay attention to the beginning of it. I was I like, it got to halftime. I was on my phone and then I looked up and I'm like, she looks a little big. And then I'm like, is she pregnant? And then she said something like, is she pregnant? And then I think we both agreed that she was. And then I went on Twitter and I realized that everyone was saying she's pregnant. And I'm like, oh, well, all right, good for you that you're doing this pregnant. And then she went up on this platform and I'm like, are they kidding me right now? Like this thing didn't look stable. And I'm thinking to myself, this can't be good. Like, like no, like they can't be elevating this pregnant woman like 150 feet in the air on this wobbly thing. Like a window washer, like and no. She was amazing. Now you made me think. You, can you imagine the amount of paperwork and legality behind that? What kind of waiver she has to sign? Because I, I do believe performers come up with their own staging, right? They, they come up with their performance plan, and they have to be approved maybe by the the, the NFL. And then who signing off on that? Rihanna's gonna get off so many feet away. I mean, on top and dancing. And with the danger of her being pregnant, right, and, and, the, and the wishes she takes, that there was even a clip I saw on the internet that one of the dancers slipped and they, they almost fell. So I'm I'm thinking if she really wanted to do that herself, she's courageous and she's she's great, she's brave, and apparently she nailed it, right? And you you think she signed a waiver? I'm, I'm I'm assuming I'm assuming the NFL would anybody let it. You know, her go up so high and there, there was no harness. There was no security, you know, There was no harness. Mat. There was nothing. There was nothing. Like, I, Thank God I, it went well. I, it went, it I went can't well. Even imagine, like, I can't even imagine great. going up that high, like, as a non-pregnant person, like, without a harness. She went up there as a pregnant person, like, forget it. But, and you were mentioning that one of the dancers slipped. And this was a big contention in the game itself because players were slipping all over the field and the Eagles pass rush is one of the best pass rushes that we've seen in, in years and years. And they were slipping all over the field. They couldn't get them home. And this was like a big thing in the game, like that this is what cost them the game because they couldn't rush the passer. Right. I've heard that take, but uh, I always tell people both teams play on the same field. Right, and so that's, that's the that's the take back, right? It's both players. That, that's the, the same field, right? right? That's the equalizer where we can get into the game and, and waste an hour into it. <laughs> yeah, okay, but but let's let's beyond beyond Rihanna, uh, we're gonna she was, pick she was, up. 
She was good. Like, you know, I'm, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm not, a, I'm not a Rihanna fan. I like no one, like literally no one song that she does. The one from what's the, God, I don't even remember the name of the movie. It's the uh, Umbrella uh, when, when it's raining. Is that her is song? Umbrella. Is umbrella. That her song? I don't that's her song. That, that's yeah. her song. I didn't even know it was her song. No, it's the one yeah. from um, the, the, the Shut Up and Drive. Right. That, that's her oh, song. Oh, I see what right? you mean. The Shut Up and Drive. It's from like a Disney movie or something. Uh, I don't believe do Ralph. I have kids. That's what it is. Re- oh, okay. you, I don't have kids. So I, <laughs> I, I have kids. I'm, so I've I'm seen outdated. <laughs> yeah, I've seen all of these movies. So it's from Wreck It Ralph. It's Shut Up and Drive. A, a kids movie with a very, very not kids song. And if you listen to the lyrics of this song, it's not a kids song. But it's in a kids movie. Uh, that's the only song that I know from her that I know that it's her song. But I'm sure that if I heard her other songs, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I know that song. I didn't know it was her song. Um, oh, yeah. So Every yeah, single but, um, song she sung was, was a hit from her career. Every single one of them was a hit. Um, so I think she pretty much nailed it. Um, yeah, that's what they do, what right? she looked they, like. They just, right. Right. That's what they, they, they do that and they just play the medleys of their songs. I, there's a there's a there's always a a bet that you can place like what's the first song in the medley? Uh, the, do you, you don't gamble on the on the game, do you? I don't, I don't. But but there's so many bets you can do in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, there's like a thousand or something, something crazy. Anyway, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna continue here with where we left off on the last podcast. We promised the people a top five list, top five coaching trees of all time do you have your top five you know i remember i told you you're putting me to work <laughs> i actually right. went back and <laughs> i started right. working on it and i'm like top five in the nfl and i i found myself almost like reading history books right and i'm like it can't be happening right now <laughs> so what i came up with and i'm not sure what you found i came up with my from my lifetime right from my generation what i've been watching um since, I don't know, the past 20 or so years, I came up with the best coaching tree in the NFL and the best coaching tree in the NBA. I didn't want to look for championships or or success. I kind of wanted to go through how a coach could be successful in his own coaching team, right? It's assistant coaching, defensive coach, offensive coach. And my idea was how many coaches in the NFL can say that their assistants was promoted or were promoted to different teams and became head coach on themselves. So my idea was finding the coach that had the most success in terms of successors, right, in order to under the team. So I looked at Bill Belichick because I don't really like the guy. And I wanted to be a little bit fair and objective. Bill Belichick, you know, aside from all this championship and what he's done with, with the Patriots and whatnot, he's got his assistant coaches, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them have become head coach himself. Bill O'Brien with the Texans, Mike uh, Rambel with the Titans. My Patricia, so I liked him. Um, I think it was a defensive coach, right? Went, oh. went on and coached Lions. Brian Flores, <laughs> we know here down south. I liked him, but there was some politics involved, and he got booted out. Nick Saban, 
one of the coach in NCAA, yep. right? Yep, he was. Uh, and then Nick Saban himself. Yep. Right, and Nick Saban himself. You could have an argument that he has his own tree, uh, mm-hmm. and then you have the, the Jason Garrett with the, with the Cowboys and Adam Gase. But so that that's the angle I took, right? And then if I flip back to the NBA, same concept, right? I didn't want to go on who's coach history line has the most championship or whatnot but interestingly interestingly my pick has both it's Greg Popovich he's he's won what five championship I believe and coach other teams in the NBA Popovich right he, he got five rings and then he's Assistant coaches went on and coached other teams. And he, listen to that list. Steve Kerr. I don't have to say how many rings he's got. He's got a bunch recently. Mike Budenholzer. Also assistant coach. Went on and I think I, I think it's when he left the Spurs, he went on and coached Atlanta, the Hawks. Then he's right now with the Milwaukee Bucks coaching the Greek Freak. And they won, right? Monty Williams, he hasn't really won anything, but he's one of powerful coach in the NBA, very impactful, great leader, one of the few black coaches in the NBA, one of the first, I would say. Doc Rivers, um, one with the Celtics, still playing good uh, with the Sixers now. Mike Brown, Emil Doka with Celtics. And then, you know, other black Taylor Jenkins, Mike D'Antoni. So, so Popovich by himself, right? He probably influenced a whole generation of coaches. And those, aside from the championship, they continue to influence other assistant coaches. So that's why I, I, the question, when you asked me to look into the coaching trees, I, I thought it would be unfair to just counting wins and championship. Okay. okay. So... You turned a top five list into a top two list, but a very fair top two list. That's fine. That's fine. I actually was going to do, because I thought you would do a top five NFL list. I actually put together a top five NBA, uh, not an NBA, but a basketball coaching tree list. However, after the Super Bowl, I decided to call an audible and I changed my top five list completely. So my top five list is... Of the top five Super Bowl trailers that we saw for movies that are coming out this year that I am most excited about. That is the tra- that is the top five that I have. Has nothing to do with sports. Wow. But we saw a lot of trailers and they were super exciting. And these are the top five that I thought were the best that I'm super excited about. Number five, the Super Mario Brothers movie. I played Super Mario Brothers when I was 13 years old. And I saw the previous incarnation of that movie and it was awful. Awful, awful. This one they're going to get right. Number four, 65. This is Adam Driver's new movie. I don't know if you know anything about this. Have you seen, you saw the trailer for this? Yeah, I think so. I saw it. But you, this is some dinosaur. You caught me off guard with the five. <laughs> did I, I you really? Did you, did, did you, you didn't expect it to be Super Mario Brothers? No, you, you, you what put did me you, to what work. Did you think and, it would be? and you come here with trailers. Yeah. I'll let you finish. <laughs> I like I like I like these I like these animated movies, uh, and I'm a sucker for like nostalgia, 
nonsense. So the this for some reason this thing is speaking to me. This dinosaur movie about like these humans that are coming from another planet and landing on our planet sixty five million years ago. I just I just need to know what's going on. Like I don't know that it's going to be a good movie. I don't know that it's going to be interesting. I just need to know what's going on. Like I, I need to go in there and need I need to know what's happening. And I may walk out after thirty minutes once they tell me what's happening because it's terrible. But I just need to know why he's there and where he comes from. It's one of these things where I just I just those kinds of things interest me. Like why are you there from another planet? What planet are you from? Number three. I'll just say that the ad works. Oh, absolutely. You. You, don't, you know. Yeah, you don't care it's, about the movie. You, you care about something. What about the trailer? Absolutely. It's uh, it, I think that the the tagline was like, "The past meets technology," or "The future meets the past," or something like that. Oh, it's perfect. It's like right up my alley. It's perfect. Um, number three, Transformers: Rise of the Beasts. Going along Super Mario Brothers. Literally, when I was a child, I had all the Transformers. Except Optimus Prime and Megatron, and now as an adult, I have Optimus Prime because I'm a, just an adult child. But I still can't find Megatron anywhere. I think he's like $200. It's ridiculous, it's the prices of these old toys. But And then the top two, and these two I'm super excited about, and these are the two best ones that were there. Number two, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. You guys might be tired of the MCU. I'm not tired of the MCU. I'm never going to be tired of Marvel. I'm just not. You need to get over it. Somebody is going to die in this movie. I'm going to be super sad. It's probably going to be like three or four of them. And I'm going to end up crying in this movie. Um, and it's just going to, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad for me. And the number one movie, and the number one movie trailer, and this isn't even close. And I love the MCU and the Guardians of the Galaxy, but this trailer was, it blew me away like so much that I can't even. Like, I can't wait for this movie to come out. It's The Flash. This Flash movie, and when I was a kid, Superman was my favorite character and, and Batman was my next favorite character. And they have screwed, DC has screwed up these characters for years. This might actually be their see, redemption. You see who plays Batman? The, the one coming out. You see, you know uh, oh, who's oh, going to play a role. What I'm saying is this may be their redemption. Like, they might actually redeem these characters, finally, and finally give them the the proper due and restart the entire DCEU properly. And they've got Supergirl in there. I'm super excited. They're going to redo this entire universe and maybe have a, a really good Superman, although I really like Henry Cavill. I wish they would bring him back, but I, like they might actually do this correctly, finally, and give these characters really good stories because DC was my favorite superhero group. Um, but the Flash movie looks phenomenal. Phenomenal. What, was it Michael Keaton the, in the trailer? Michael Keaton from 1989. I went to see right. that movie when I was right. 13. So, it was the best Batman so, movie ever until Christian Bale took over. And then... That took my, my you know, my curiosity in that trailer. That The only fact that it was Michael Keaton playing Batman I was like, I gotta see that movie. Right? Because they've been had so many characters playing Batman, and there's there's good bad ones, and they went back to Michael Keaton. I'm like, okay, you got my attention now, right? And they they've got Ben Affleck, which is, who is a really good Batman. I think they they he's underrated. And you know, if they bring back some of the other Batman, the this is this is going to be a really really good movie. I, I really can't wait for this movie. It's the best one 
there were other movie trailers in there. Fast X was pretty cool. Um, but these are the top five. I'm super excited. Um, so I called an audible. That's my top five list. Um, we can do my top five basketball or, uh, yeah, tree at another, another time at some point, or we can come I, I up with another top five. I'm going to stay in Biswell. I think that was a curveball. <laughs> that was definitely a curveball. That was definitely a curveball. <laughs> yeah, I struck out with that one. But what I definitely wanted to talk about in this particular episode was injuries. This this dichotomy between a player that played with an injury and a player that didn't play with an injury. Patrick Mahomes had a really bad ankle sprain, and he got that in the first playoff game against Jacksonville. And when he went to the sidelines, he was limping to the sidelines, he said to his coach, and you could see him mouth that, he said, please don't take me out. And they didn't. The Chad Henney played one one drive and he went 99 yards or something, something crazy like that. But they didn't take him out. He played, he played through the injury. He played through the Super Bowl. He won the Super Bowl. On the other hand, Lamar Jackson, for instance, got injured in December. He decided not to play. And there's this dichotomy between a guy that played through an injury and a guy that decided not to play through an injury. And I wanted to ask you what you made of that. Yeah. You know, we can get into that for like, a full hour, but I'm gonna try to to be you know concise. I don't believe that the injury we hear about in the news are, are only those that happen. Meaning, there's a lot of injuries that we don't know about. In the NFL, I think it's well known that players play through injury, right? They you know if you see the offensive and defensive lines, all they do is banging in shorter, right? They all they always have their ankle taped, their wrist taped. So those are injuries. Now the question arises when the stakes are high, right? When the fans are demanding something from from the players. And in the Super Bowl, or if you want to go back, um, first games and uh, the AFC game, for example, Patrick Mounds uh, was still playing with a bad ankle and got out and came back and they ended up winning the game. Fans will make the argument that if he had not come back, he probably had, they probably would have lost the game. And now playing the other side, I don't know how Ravens fans feel about Lamar Jackson. Because he never had to prove anything. He couldn't prove anything. He didn't play. You know, there's, I think that's two ways you can, you, you can look. There's two angles you can, you can take with players and injuries and, and not playing. If you're a fan of a true fan of the sport and you, you have almost like that insanity of a fanatic, right? A fanatic, you don't really care about the player. You care about the result of your team. And that's you're, right. merc- you're merciless with your own players, right? With your favorite players because they have to play. They have to win your game. But if I'm speaking as a physician, right? As a doctor, as a, you know, sports, um, athletic department, if you will, I don't want my player playing hurt because that may aggravate whatever injury they may have, right? I think Lama Jackson commented um, before his wildcard game that he didn't say they wanted to play. He kind of said that, he didn't want to play because he couldn't give his teammates 100% of himself. I read it, you know, I kind of dissected it. I read it that maybe he was asked to play. If you're a player and you have to tweet something like that, you have to make a comment about why you're not playing, it implies, I hope I'm wrong, it may imply that his coaches or his teammates or management, who, who I don't know who, might have asked him to play through his injury. Just like Patrick Mahomes 
himself wanted to play, you know. So there's two different examples of two, play, two players, two quarterbacks, one playing through a bad ankle, the other one playing with a, it was a, a grade two knee sprain, and two different results. And the fans, don't, they don't really care about the player. They care about, are you going to play or not? Or, or maybe, you know, he, he was told that he was cleared by his doctors. I don't know that for sure, but in Lamar Jackson's case, do you trust the doctors, right? Because there's a pressure on the doctor to get the player out. We saw that play out with Tua a little bit, right? Now we don't, we weren't in the room. Okay. We don't know what the doctor did. We don't know what they told him, but he went back in the game against Buffalo. We were told it's a back thing. He's fine. It's not a concussion. Four days later, we saw him get hit in Cincinnati and that was concussion injury. And then whatever, whoever the doctor was against Buffalo, that doctor was released by the NFL. Now, Lamar Jackson's sitting here looking at that, and he may be saying, I don't care what the doctors say because they don't have my best interest at heart. And Lamar Jackson is playing for a huge contract. He's playing for a two, $300 million contract. The sport that he's going, the, the job that he's doing can both get him generational wealth and can also take away generational wealth at the same time. So... His consideration that fans just don't care about is, what do I do in this situation? I could go out and play and, and do my job, and I can risk losing generational wealth for a one-time chance at getting immortality, so to speak, for winning a Super Bowl, and we'll, it'll get me immortality, or risk losing generational wealth if I hurt my knee even more. I'm not going to get my contract. So... He's looking at it from that perspective. Fans are looking at it from a perspective of just win me the game, man. Just go out there because without you, we can't win. They don't care about any of this stuff. And then they say, well, look at Patrick Mahomes. He went in there and he, he did it. And what are you doing? What do you say as a player? Like what, what, what is that process for you as a player when you're looking at, at, at imagine like regular people. There, there is no, I, I can't think of a job that non-athletes can do that can put them in that shoes, that can put them in that yeah. position, that can give you generational wealth, that can also take away generational wealth if you do that job at the same time. There is, there is no non-athletic job that I can think of off the top of my head. Maybe there is, but I can't think of it. So it's hard for people to put themselves in the shoes of an athlete who especially an athlete that's doing football, you know, soccer, baseball, basketball, a little different. I mean, basketball, hockey, you can get injured pretty, pretty baseball, not so much. Although I suppose you could, but football is inherently dangerous. Every play could be your last right. and you're already right. injured. I'll just speak. I'm thinking about it before I even mentioned the, you know, you, you, you made an allusion um, a reference to regular jobs, right? Normal jobs. And I'm thinking, I don't remember the last time, you know, my jobs might not be as demanded as Lamar Jackson's job. But I remember the last time that I had to go to work and I couldn't call uh, a sick day if I was sick. I, I called a sick day and everything was fine. You know, somebody got, you know, the, the cover and that's that was fine. I, I, I don't, I cannot really find a job description where you were expected to come 
to work, even if you're sick. If you don't, then it's going to be hell, hell break loose. I, I can't recall. And this comes to the point that athletes, they are judged on a different, there's a different set of rules. I'm not sure if it's fair or not. I probably not my place to decide because the, the salary, I, I could, I could understand the argument when people say, well, they'll pay for that. There's the salary, you know, demands that kind of, uh, of ability, right? They, they are, they're signing up for that. People usually say, but, but we they also say, you know, of, it's a game, right? You right, can play a game right. for a living. Go play the game, right? right? No, we lose that, that sense of humanity. And, and, uh, you know, like, there's another point. They don't, people, those fans, and I'm including myself, we usually don't see at least for what they're doing. They're doing a job. They're being paid for that, you know. Last time I, I picked up the basketball to play, I wanted to play because I wanted to have fun. It, it relaxes me. It, it, you know, it's good for my mental health. I, I meditate to basketball and I feel good after that. But these guys, they work seven days a week. They travel almost every single night. They're in the gym even on days off. They play through injuries. They get paid. That's right. But make no mistake, it's a job. And when people say, oh, you should play because it's just a game, I don't think that's fair. And then maybe they sign up for it, but I do think we lose that sort of humanity that these athletes, they are actually human beings and they go through things like we go through things. They they can be sick and they can, you know, have doubt about playing with an injured knee because they worry about their, their, their family's wealth or their, their kids' wealth or what may come next if they get injured, right? And they've seen injuries in their teammates and they have that sense of, you might even say PTSD from injuries, right? They Those injuries are so common that there's, there's cause. There's reason for a quarterback like Lamar Jackson not wanting to play with a bad knee because playing with a bad knee might, might lead to other injuries, right? So I do think that as fans, we, we do treat or we judge at least in a different stratosphere, whether fair or not. But my, my I think my final take would be that these people, these guys, they, they have a life. Besides football, besides basketball, they're a family. They they are allowed to go through doubts. They are allowed to go through anxiety. They are allowed to decide whether they're going to play with injury or not. And that should not define them as you know Islamo Jackson as motivated as Patrick Holmes. I don't know. I don't know what's the motivation. I don't know what was the injury that Lamar Jackson had, and compared to an ankle injury that Patrick Holmes had, you know. And I, I think it's a little bit unfair. Um, but like you said. You know, there's a discussion that's, that had happened behind doors with a team doctor. Is there a trust with a team doctor? I don't know. You know, who's really, you know, calling the shots behind the behind doors? And, and I, don't, I don't think it's just fans. I think it's the, the teammates, too. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but Jay Glazer did say on another podcast that it it's an honor to play injured in the NFL. And so there's a code uh, some type of some type of player code of you know if you're injured you know, just just go out there anyway and and yeah. it's sort of you know if if you don't go out there someone else will and someone is going to go take your job now i don't know that someone's going to take lamar jackson's job because he's an mvp but what he's i don't know what he's thinking but if he's if he's going out there thinking you know if i if i go out there and i injure my knee again i'm going to lose Two to three hundred million dollars. Of course, he's going to consider that. Why, you know, why would why would he give that up for a singular run at the playoffs when he believes he might be good enough to do it again another time? It, he may get another chance. Dan Marino 
when he first came in the league, got right into the Super Bowl. And he said before, you know, I thought I was going to get here every year. And he never got back. So why wouldn't Lamar Jackson think, you know, I'm good enough to do this again. We'll get there again because I'm that good. I'm going to protect myself now. People just don't want to hear that. They have, but, but these people are people. I think we're appealing to humanity here. And that's not, that's, that's not what people want to, that's not what people want. They don't, they don't see these people as people. They see them as dots on a screen because, you know, we play Madden now. And it's a, when it's we play product. Madden, they're, they're not people. They're video game characters. Right. Uh, Lamar Jackson did have a quote. Um, I want to read the quote. I don't want to get it wrong. January 16th, he posted this on Instagram. Quote, when you have something good, you don't play with it. You don't take chances losing it. You don't neglect it. When you have something good, you pour into it. You appreciate it because when you take care of something good, that good thing takes care of you too. That's pretty cryptic. You know, yeah, like, I'd say so. <laughs> you know, it, but, Who is he talking to, right? I, I think he's directly talking to the Ravens and he's directly talking about his contract. That That's the way I see it. Again, uh, we should probably play that disclaimer that we have about uh, speculation. <laughs> but, but, you know, it, to, to me, that sounds like someone who's trying to protect his contract. Right. When you have right. something well, good, you know. protect it. We have no right. idea, but, know. but, you know, he didn't just come out and say it, but. These are the kinds of things that you say when you're trying to, you know, you're, you're, what do you, what do you mean you're protecting something good? Clearly you're protecting yourself. He, he clearly believes that he's his, he, he, he believes that he's good. He's protecting himself. You know, there's, there's, yeah. there's that, there's that belief that if he goes out there, he may be losing this. You know, Patrick Mahomes is in a different situation. He maybe feel more secure in his situation in Kansas City. You know, if he goes out there and he aggravates this injury, they're still good enough to make that run. And after the season, if that injury really, really gets aggravated, you know, he'll rest for six months. And it's also a different injury. A high ankle sprain is not the same as what did you call it? A grade two knee? It was a grade two knee sprain. And grade, you know, when you have a knee Right. If you have a knee injury, you might favor other muscle group, right? You might favor, you know, your, your hamstring, for example, and then there comes a problem with ligaments, uh, you That's know, right. and stuff like that. So you may you may cause injury further to that knee. You may cause injury to another to another muscle group. You may snap another muscle group. These are different injuries, and neither one of us are orthopedics, so we can't speculate on how they're going to affect each other. These injuries. So he may have been told by his doctors that you know if you aggravate this ankle injury, it may not lead to a significant injury somewhere else versus, yeah. you know, if Lamar Jackson was told, you know, if you go out there and you play on this injured knee, you may break your knee and you may never play again. And, you know, I'll make a last, a last, a last comment on that on that topic, right? There's that sense of, to me, I would call it a full masculinity. That sense that I played through injury, you have to play through injury, that, you know, we are tough, we need to go, that's what we're supposed to do. And I'm not sure if if that's inherent to football, um, you may find it in other sports like basketball. But I think in football, it's, it's pretty glaring that players, I'm not going to generalize. I'll say most of the players tend to take pride in playing through injuries, right? And I'm not sure if that's right. I'm not sure if that's right. Maybe that's something that we can unpack in a different episode. Um, but that, that's that full concept of if you don't play through injury, you're not, you're not strong enough. You know, that, that manhood. You know, and we can go deep into mental health and, and anxiety and the quote unquote choke factor in sport. 
Um, but I do think that the NFL do portray itself as that the league that players are tough, right? We bang each other all day long, but we're going to play through injury because we, that's what we do. We soldiers, you know, and, and I think that's something that we, we ought to discuss future, you know, in the future. Oh, I absolutely think it's a football thing because, I mean, look at basketball. The players don't even play 82 games and, and they're not injured and, and they have a term for it. They call it load management. Right. 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 So they're not injured. They don't play a full season. Now, could you imagine like the NBA, like right, the, NFL the NFL having NFL. load management? <laughs> like, you know, sorry, Patrick Mahomes isn't playing week eight because he's on load management. You know, like it, it, it would never happen. Like, it, but right. the NBA has these load management things where these guys don't play. And uh, Stan Van Gundy is all over this, by the way, on uh, on Twitter. Uh, right, right. You, I think he mentioned that he compared the the time. Uh, these times now to the, the you know the prior generations in, in right. basketball and yeah it, it, things are different you know things are different the, the, the yes demand, but he's the not wrong act. he's not wrong well they didn't have load management right they didn't have load management and the injuries are higher but I have heard the counter argument to this is that player so the counter argument to this is bigger faster stronger and they come into the NBA with more mileage because they're playing more games. And again, Stan Van Gundy's comeback to that is that's nonsense. They played games back then too. They just played it on different courts. You know, they played it on, you know, they played pickup games and instead of like the G League or the D League or, you know, the McDonald's basketball games, the, the, there was less organized basketball, but they still played basketball games. So there's this debate between whether the guys, you know, 30, 40 years ago didn't need load management because they were more mileage guys versus guys mm-hmm. now having more mileage. And the counter argument is, well, bigger, faster, stronger. These the human body is not supposed to take this type of torque. The the moves that these guys are making in the NBA right now with the twisting and the cutting, the human body is not designed for this. Well, I'll, in the I'll same pose way that, that the question. human body is not designed to make the the pitches that baseball pitchers are designed to make. The human body's the arm is not designed for this, and that's why pitchers are getting injured too. And I can't, right. can't disagree with that. There's a lot of arguments on both sides. It, it, there's another point. Compare the average length of, of the, the career length of a lot of basketball players in 20, 30 years ago. I don't think there's you know a group of players that would play 20 seasons. I don't think so. I mean, I'd have to go back and see how many, how many, what was the average years um, players usually play in the NBA. Nowadays, these players are pushing up, way up 30, you know, 35, 36, 37. Some of them are even 40 years old, you know, playing basketball. The technologies may allow them with, you know, good trainers, good techniques, good, I don't know, recuperation therapy or cryotherapy, call it whatever technology that they are using now. And the management might be uh, contributing to, you know, lengthening of their of the career. Back in the days, players just played. They played to injury and the career stopped abruptly because they had injuries that couldn't be, you know, uh, uh, uh passed over you know so I, I think it's a it's a long debate it's my what i would say is that players should have enough power to decide how they would want their career to continue if they want to play 15 years you know busting their tails and breaking knees and that's up to them but if they want to conserve the career and play 20 season they should have the, the option right um we can go back to the same concept of you know sports is it's a business it's a it's a product that we're buying and they're selling us and we are expecting that our players perform when they buy tickets we are paying for that right but we're losing that sense of individuality that sense of autonomy that the players should yeah. have 
right? Yeah. Because I have it as as a as a worker, right? As a contract, but nobody telling nobody will tell me. Listen, you have to come to work even if you're sick. You know, so th- there's a fine line between the service that you're buying and also respecting you know players autonomy and and seeing them as human beings, frankly. And you know, we and I think we're all guilty of it. I'm saying it now, but I, I've been upset plenty times when I go to games and my my favorite players not playing. You know, in the moment. You get caught up in, in, you know, in sports, you know, emotion, and I think it's part of it. But we have to step back and realize that these guys are—they are as common as we are. They're just playing a different job, and they're just on the camera twenty-four-seven. You know, their life is televised. My life is not televised. Nobody cares if I don't go to work tomorrow. Right. Speaking of um, human beings and uh, playing, what did you, uh, what did you make of the holding penalty at the end of the game? Well, and there's a reason. There's a specific was, reason I'm asking this because it goes along the lines of what we're talking about. I, I think I have a hint, but you know, we just a little bit it's Valentine's Day, right? This week, I think I think I know where you're going, but I'll tell you, I agree with the call, and I agree with the reactions after the call. The players involved, they both reacted how they should be, re- how they should react as human beings. One of them, you know, acknowledges is is holding, and then a few days later, there was some. You know, ticky tack, you know, playful stuff going on in the media, which is normal. Right. So you saw, you saw, uh, Juju Smith Schuster's Twitter, Twitter beef between him and AJ Brown. Brown. Jude, for those that don't know, I don't know how many listen to this show that, that don't know what happened. Juju Smith Schuster posted a Valentine's meme, with James Bradbury saying, I'll hold, I'll hold you when it matters most, which I mean, I, I thought it was kind of haha funny, but. Speaking of humanity and people, I can't imagine a worse moment for a human being than on the biggest stage of your life doing that and getting caught and if, and that being the thing that loses the game. So like Joseph Osai, for instance, in the Cincinnati game, we all felt sorry for him, right? Nobody posted a meme or making fun of him or a Valentine's thing. But the James Bradbury thing, we you know, they posted it and it was like a ha-ha moment. So what do you think the difference here is? Why why do you think people kind of reacted differently to these two things if, if they did? I, I, you know, I, that's a good question. I, I think, you know, taking the human factor into the equation, I think the Joseph Asai was a bit more dramatic, a little bit more taxing on, the, on your emotions because people did feel sorry for him. Right, people saw him crying on the on the, on the on the bench, and then there was a lot of you know talk after what happened with his teammates. But in in the Super Bowl, James Bradbury quite rapidly admitted that he was a holding. He, he held his head high and said, "Yeah, it was a, you know I did it." And he actually said he hoped he was wishing that he would not be caught. Right, and then you know as expected, the you know the Patrick Mahomes finished the game, and you know they had they had the the field goal. And that, that was the end of it. And then the story revived with the tweet. Because I thought the story ended right there. I thought there was but, no talking so, about it. So you don't think that, like, tweet. you think it's because he didn't, you don't think he felt as bad about it publicly? I, 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 yeah, don't know. I, 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 I do think his reaction after didn't really, didn't really weigh on our defense, I'm thinking, on our human uh, emotions. We didn't really feel sorry for him because it wasn't as bad. Um, and the fact that he held it pretty strongly, like, confidently, I don't think people would feel really sorry for him. So I think maybe that's probably why he, Juju Smith felt he could put that because I thought, put it that way, I don't think Juju Smith would have, would have, would have tweeted something to that extent to Joseph Asai, for example. 
because Yusuf Esai mistake was pretty sorry. I, I don't know. You know Juju Smith-Schuster is like that. a he's like a he's like a social media guy. He does TikTok and he does I don't know. I don't. I I think it's I think it's I think it's because people were more on the refs in the Super Bowl because they were questioning the call more than they questioned the call in the in the AFC Championship game. Um, they right. went after the refs in the Super Bowl immediately, questioning the call. It was ticky tack, whereas the Joseph Osai thing was more obvious. And they were like, "Wow, that's this huge mistake!" And they saw him crying on the sidelines. James Bradbury, you're right, didn't have the same reaction on the sidelines. And the people felt like, well, I mean, that that happens every play. Like, why are you calling this now? And so I think people went after the refs more than they went after the player. And so it wasn't the same kind of reaction from people. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I can, but I, again, I'll go back to my, my way of thinking that these reactions from the players, let, let's take the media out of the, the equation and the fan. This reaction from, from the players, from both sides, right? The losing side and the winning side. These are normal human behaviors. Right, this this is part of sports. The the issue is that whatever they do is televised. The life is under a microscope, right? And everything is 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 you know is up for debate. Everything is up for clicks on, on, on the internet or for a segment on on shows, right? If it wasn't a Super Bowl, I don't think this tweet would have you know made so much noise. If it was a I don't know week number three in the NFL, a tweet like that would have would have you know made the the, the round of the, in the media. I don't think would have. Without being that topic of a deal, but um, again, athletes, you know, I think they sign up for it, but I don't think that they get the benefit of the doubt being human beings. That they they may tweet something that's a little bit controversial. That doesn't mean that they don't mean people. You know, I don't think. Well, I don't know. Let's say I don't know. I, I don't think the maybe James Bradbury Bradbury probably laughed at the tweet. For all I know, so who knows. All right, Steph. We're gonna we're gonna introduce a new segment here on the second episode of the Psych Effect podcast. This is called the Reluctant Sports Fan. We're gonna bring in our uh, first guest ever on this on this podcast here. So let's uh, let's play the intro music. I don't want to watch this. Is there anything else on? Time to get the best opinions in the podcast industry. It's the Reluctant Sports Fan. All right, we're bringing in the reluctant sports fan. The reluctant sports fan is Maria. Maria, welcome, Maria. Thank you. Hi. Hi, Maria. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Now, Maria is the reluctant sports fan. Tell everybody who you are and why you are the reluctant sports fan. Sure. So I'm Maria Bick. I'm Dimitri's wife, and I'm a psychologist. Um, And I am a reluctant sports fan because I was never really a sports fan until... I had my children and they started playing sports, specifically baseball. And through that, I just started getting really interested. I love going to the games. I love watching them. And there's a little bit of vicarious <laughs> living through them, but yeah. not, not too much. Yeah. But, but you're reluctant because you don't like, you don't really like sports, to be honest. Let's be real here. Right. It was never something that I considered before as a hobby 
especially to watch. I mean, I think to play is a little bit different, but watching definitely not something that no, I took a lot of, of time to do. Right. Yeah, because because they're pretty much all men in the house. So, Maria, let, let me ask you this. Uh, let's see how reluctant you are. Do you follow any sports league on your phone, on your social media? <laughs> no. At all? No, no, okay. no. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you, right yeah, I think you're very reluctant. I have work. the only app I, I have, uh, what's it called? The Game Change? The game, game Changer. Game Changer app, which tracks yeah. um, my son's travel baseball league. So we have established that you are indeed a reluctant sports fan, but we did watch the Super Bowl. Yes, we together. did. And uh, so, what was? Well, I should I should start this place because we did start the podcast here. Uh, what was your opinion of Rihanna being pregnant and being 150 feet in the air? Oh wow! Okay, so it was interesting because the second I saw her, remember I I was like. Um, She's pregnant. <laughs> I thought that was yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. I mean, before anything came out, before any of the tweets started, before anything, that was, I don't know, to me, very noticeable. I don't know, because I'm also a mother and it, I don't know, it was just very apparent. And then I said, wow, that's really scary because she, she's, you know, she, it's, it's, yeah. it's risky, right? But she seemed pretty yeah. confident and she's obviously not afraid of heights and, it's awesome. I'm glad we have a, an expert to sort of question because I, I don't think Dimitri and I are qualified enough. Oh, absolutely not. No, no. So I'm glad. But would you, pregnant, go up there 150 feet? Probably. I'm not. Really? Yeah. I'm not afraid of oh, heights. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm, okay. you know, Good like, you. again, I, I trust that this, you know, the organization that puts on the Super Bowl is has all the safety covered. I, I really... Already then. Yeah. Okay. Well, so yes, I would. I, I would do it. Much more trusting than I am. Okay. Well, speaking of the Super Bowl, what were your impressions? Um, so, As a sports fan. So again, uh, being reluctant and not really, you know, just watching the game for, for the love of the game, I did need a team to root for just because I think, you know, it put me more, it gave me more interest. So I rooted for, I was rooting for the Eagles, not because of anything, just because that's who my son was rooting for. And I was like, sure, let's do it. Um, so I think that uh, made it more interesting for me. So what I noticed, again, it was, it was an interesting game. I wasn't bored at all. It kept, my attention. I felt it was pretty fast paced. There were things that happened that I wasn't expecting, um, like the fumble and right. Like, so it really, it kept me engaged. I thought the second half Kansas city really played differently. It seemed like they changed strategy and I thought it was a, like a different game in the second half, at least on, on their part. I felt like the Eagles were kind of doing the same plays, the, the same thing throughout. They were pretty consistent, and I felt like Kansas City really changed their strategy. You know, as sports analysis goes, that that's pretty accurate. That That's, that's about as good sports analysis for sports radio as you're going right. to get in the okay. industry right there. And that is why this is the best opinion in the podcast industry. And that's we are not lying at all <laughs> about that at all. This is the best opinion in the podcast industry. But I do want to ask and, and, one more question. As a mother, did you have a, an opinion on seeing the Kelsey brothers as a mother? How would you have been 
if your two sons were playing against each other in a game. Right. So while I was watching the Super Bowl, I had that I had no idea that that was going on just because I'm not like I just don't know. I'm uninformed. I don't. So I found out that, you know, the Kelsey brothers were playing against each other after like a, a day or two or three after when I was scrolling through social media and I saw just a story about kind of how she how she approached it and I guess the interview part, parts of the interview that she gave about it and I, I mean that was I, I loved it I thought it was great I mean I can't even it's, it's so exciting right to have kind of your children be at the peak of, of their game their abilities of course it's you can't root for either one, right? <laughs> you know, you're not going to. No, you're you're just you're that. just happy to be there, and you're just sharing in their no. in their moment, right? In their experience, it doesn't matter what and, the outcome is. Right, and knowing that one of them has to lose, <laughs> would you pick to be the loser, the younger one or the older one? Be honest. No, no, I mean. I think if right if we're speaking logically, then maybe we root for the older one because it's like the you know the younger one may have more chances to play because again and favorite, to win a right? Super Bowl because right. But honestly, no, you no. just you root Be- for because for the older one's them. the favorite, right? The, fo- the favorite, <laughs> no. you root for the favorite, right? For son, <laughs> that's right. Because every parent has a favorite, right? Because you read for the favorite, and you know the firstborn. Yeah, right. no, no, no. 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 Logically, there well, may be an answer, but emotionally, there is no answer. And this is emotional. And you just root for just the fact that you're there and that you're having this amazing experience. Good. I, I think Mary has answered a question as if her son's listening behind the door. That's a perfect answer. <laughs> His little ears. Okay. All right. Okay. His little, little ears are perked behind yeah. the door. Yeah. So let, let me let me ask you that, Maria. Um, I, you mentioned that your sons play sports, right? And then one of them, I think you mentioned baseball. When you watch the NFL, that game particularly, as a did it ever cross your mind that this is a, this was a violent sport, right? Were you at some point, as a mother, one as a mother, concerned about pot- potential injuries, mainly to head injuries, concussion, noticeably with a with the NFL. But secondly, as a psychologist, knowing that how concussion can lead to chronic neurological issues um, later on in, in, in life. So did that ever cross your mind watching the game and thinking about your sons and if they would want to play football? How would you how would you react to that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It crosses. I mean, I think it's a very apparent thing, the violent nature of or right, the, the dangerous nature of, of football. And in, in response to, to my sons, no, they, they can't play. I'm sure they've asked and we've always said, no, like you, you can play flag football and, you know, my oldest one has, but absolutely yeah. no tackle. I, I, like that's no, they, they know that that's just something that they're, they're not going to do. They're not allowed to do because, yeah, I think the risk is too great. Right. And, it's and I don't know if that's, if that's something that's a trend in the country is that parents are not allowing their kids to play football. I don't think it is. I'd have to look at the statistics. Right. Um, but so we I, have been very apparent to our children that they're not going to play. And, and do you guys think it's because maybe in the past few years, the media has been more, let's say, um, willing to discuss head injuries in, uh, in football particularly, and then the new advances in, in science showed uh, 
possible diagnosis of CTE, uh, which is chronic uh, traumatic encephalopathy, that these football players may have in you know in the future after they, after they retire. So you as parents, both one psychiatrist, one psychologist, watching the game. In one side, you're enjoying it as as a as a consumer of a product, and the other side, being parent and knowing about injuries, brain injuries, and thinking about your own children. I I, I guess where does the where is the line between your knowledge and your your you consuming the the, the product, right? How at which point that you you understand that it's a valid game and I'm consuming something that's potentially dangerous to these players. And I would not put my sons um, in harm's way, but I'm gonna consume the product that they're right. <laughs> running I mean, me with. And, and I think that that's a great question for Dimitri to answer because he actually consumes the product. I, I, I wouldn't really consider myself a consumer. I mean, I I watched the Super Bowl. I watched it right as uh, just as part of of a group. I know I know people who have told me personally that they don't watch. They stopped watching football exactly for this reason, right? Sort of like people that choose different dietary restrictions based on their moral values, kind of a, a similar thing, right? They they put that line and they used to love it. They still love it. They just won't watch it. So I have no problem not watching it at all. And, and yeah, again, but- like, and, and I think Dimitri and I had this conversation earlier, which he doesn't agree with me, but I think that it's going to... the tackle part of it is going to phase out eventually right, right. I, I don't, what, what do you think dimitri yeah I don't, I don't think it will i think it's already been phased out i think if you look you know specifically speaking to people my age mid 40s when i started watching football they used to have videos <laughs> dating myself on this tapes videotapes where you could buy the greatest hits where Receivers would go across the middle and they would get wiped out by safeties and linebackers, literally wiped out. And they would show the hit, but what they would do is they would show the aftermath of the hit where the guy would be rolling around on the floor and like get up and like be woozy and, and, and like stumble to the sidelines, clearly had a concussion. They would celebrate that. The NFL would put out videos for that. In the 90s, NFL primetime would have a segment called Lit Up where they would make fun of this. They would, you know, they would show the hit and then they would go, oh, you got lit up. Um, I think Michael Irvin did it. Maybe well, Michael Irvin played in the 90s, so it would be in the 2000s. I'm trying to think of the player that did it. I, I don't remember. It, it probably wasn't Michael Irvin because if it was in the 90s, Michael Irvin was still playing. But but anyway, they, they would have a segment on that. They don't do that anymore. Uh, quarterbacks you can't even touch. Like you literally cannot even touch these guys. Anything you do to them is a, is a penalty. Now, if you hit people like you did in the 80s and the 90s, they call it targeting and they throw you out of the game. In, in college, they do. I, th- I think they even do that in the NFL. Like you just, you can't hit them. You can't hit people anymore like you did before. Okay, but, right. very, very, still, but you're still going to watch. Oh, oh, absolutely. Like our, our addiction <laughs> to the sport our addiction to the sport has only grown. Like it's not gotten less; it's gotten more. Uh, and and there's talk now that the Super Bowl is going to be a pay per view event, and I bet you the people will pay for it. Because how do you so, grow revenue in the NFL when all avenues, when advertising in the Super Bowl is now seven million dollars? You know, when I was growing up, it 
it was like a million dollars and people were like, wow, a million dollar ad in the Super Bowl is such a big deal. It's $7 million for 30 seconds or something like that now. It's crazy. How do you continue to grow revenue while you make the Super Bowl a pay-per-view event? You know, people are going to pay for it, you know. Right. It's so people are still going to buy this product. There's, there's people just want more football. The XFL just started, you know, the I was going to say starting, you know, there's more people are just, they want more football. So right. yeah, I'm going to watch it. I don't feel guilty about it to be honest with so, you. I know what it so is. What, My kids aren't going to play because they're small. That That's the reason they wouldn't play. If they weren't small, you know, I'd probably say they wouldn't play anyway. Cause I wouldn't, I wouldn't want them to. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I I'm so, just happy I don't have to make that decision. Probably right. So so here's where where I'm I'm a bit puzzled. Um, I, the NFL is is aware and they they take instances uh, to the effect that they advertise that they're aware and they doing uh, some campaign about you know up improving the helmets for example and and having penalties for for unnecessary hits about the shoulders for example. And that actually, it's making it even harder as a, let's say, we move the fan part of it as a, you know, scientist, as a physician, as somebody that believes in science, it makes it even harder to caution that we consume some kind of, some, this kind of sports, right? For, as, as something that's actually enjoyable. To the effect that you mentioned the XFL, I think the XFL started this weekend. And one of the points that they made is that the kick return, the kick point return, they're trying to limit the impact of um, the speed of the impact, right? So they have the two line, the two line uh, man at five yards uh, apart and you can't start running until the, the ball is caught. So yeah. that, the, the argument is that it's because they wanted to, re- to reduce the impact of the velocity they, of the they impact. They don't care of the... about that stuff. They don't care about any of that stuff because if they cared about that, they wouldn't have added another game. Like they, they just, they don't. <laughs> they don't care about it. I guess you know what this is such a such a complicated and, and deep conversation. I think we would have to dedicate a full episode to. We're to, gonna have to do an entire entire to, podcast yeah, on that. NFL and, and CTE. We're, we're gonna, I mean, I mean the gonna, list. We're gonna do a CTE podcast. On right. Let, let me let, let me give you a teaser. Name another sports. You know, there's a lot of sports. There's there's boxing. There's um fighting sports. Right. UFC. There's a lot of that. There's rugby. But I don't know because the NFL is so polarized. It's so popular that. To my knowledge, is the only sports that routinely there's an article mentioning CTE, dementia, and and depression, substance abuse, uh, um, suicidal behaviors in NFL retirees. And I think there's an article that came out a few weeks ago on the Sports Illustrated that we are to discuss in the next episode. But that's just a teaser, right? Why is the NFL the only sports that have, at least that we know of, that have so many chronic uh, um, uh, neurological issues post retirement because of uh, CTE diagnosed uh, postmortem, right? So that's dot dot dot, <laughs> just a teaser. But that's something that's gonna, we're gonna have to unpack. We're gonna explore that in another episode. In the meantime, right. we're gonna end this segment um, on a game that we came up with. We're gonna play it with some of our guests. You're the first guest we've ever had, so we're gonna play it with you. It's called Psyched Up or Psyched Out. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna give you a bunch of upcoming sporting events. You're going to tell me whether you're psyched up for it. Psyched up like. Or psyched out for it. Okay. Psyched up like I'm super excited. Psyched out. Super excited. No, thank you. Psyched out for like, nah, Uh you can live without it. Okay. All right. Okay. You ready? Yeah. All right. Psyched up or psyched out the rest of the NBA season? Psyched out. No. Yeah. 
I'm not a basketball fan. But I, but I could, but I could understand. You know, the Heat are not doing that well this year. Psyched up or psyched out? The rest of the NHL season. Psyched up? I could be. I could. All right. right. I could be. All right. You could be. You're not sure. You're gonna push. You got you to take a side. It's psyched up or psyched out. It's not like I'm sort of okay with it. Okay, psyched up, psyched up. Uh, the right, Panthers are doing up. well, right? Not really, no. Oh. Okay, fine. Well, that's why you're the ro- <laughs> that is why you're the reluctant sports fan and have the best opinions in the podcast okay. industry. We were not lying about that. Number three, the XFL season. Psyched out. Uh, yeah, I'm with you with that for one. Sure. Oh come on, the Rock? No, I like you the, smell I like the Rock the is cooking with the NFL, with the XFL. Yeah. The Rock is cooking a lot of things lately. He's got to stay out of the kitchen. Oh man, okay, wow. He's not cooking up uh, the Fast X. I'll tell you that. No, he's not cooking that one. Um, the upcoming baseball season. Psyched up. Oh. Yes, yes. I yes. like my, I like fan. baseball. She does like baseball. Yeah, I, there's no contact. There's a reason you like it. <laughs> a lot Depends of people hit say, you, with the ball. you know, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because a lot of people are like, oh, it's so slow. It's boring. No, I don't. I like, I like the anticipation. To right. me, like that's. Which are, yeah, it keeps my interest. Which are sports that players, players dress as is they're going to church. They're wearing button down shirts, <laughs> long pants and some shoes. Very I don't think they break a sweat. Very real. Oh, well, I mean, they run. You've, never, you've they clearly run. never played baseball. Uh, I, th- played. I think I think I, I've had maybe I've enjoyed watching golf a bit more than I enjoy watching baseball. And wow. those people sweat, really? I don't know. They I mean, look at Tiger. Tiger's been sweating this golf, weekend. So. Golf is a stroll in the park, no, separated we, by we a couple actually, of swings of a, of we a watched, stick. What did we watch? The Masters. The masters. And that was yeah. pretty, I actually me, I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. I'll tell you something. Powerful. Those guys are skilled as hell. Because I tried to play golf, I can't do it. Like I can't. No, do yeah, it's, like it's difficult. Ball goes all over the place. Like those people right, but I, I think I think to, I'm, I'm throwing a bad rap at baseball. I think it's it's difficult to watch baseball on TV. I'm not sure if it's a media issues or way they broadcast it, but there's if something about watching baseball on TV. I've gone to games. It's fun. It's a completely different sport in the game. It's fun. Like hockey in in the stadium is a completely different sport. But and also I like I like the statistics of baseball. There's a lot of math. There is a lot of math. math. There's a lot of statistics. Lot of math keep, like, ratios. You know, th- things are always changing. You have yeah. to keep track. I I don't know. I like it. Yeah, it's a it's it's a very math heavy sport, and and it makes sense. Number five, the upcoming March Madness NCAA basketball tournaments, men and women. Psyched out. Oh man. Oh, that, that's too bad. Oh, that's sad. That's sad. <laughs> that's that's and that's finally, fun. finally, the Daytona 500. Psyched out. Alrighty, yeah. Man. That is That's why the she one is that... the reluctant, the reluctant right. sports fan. Everybody, thank you very much, Maria. We appreciate the time that you spent with us. <laughs> thank you. We will have thank you, you back Maria. again. Yeah, come back. Thanks a lot. I enjoyed it. Bye. 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 I think it's time to wrap up and as we do here we're going to wrap up with a mental health tip of the day all right day full of hiccups need a shake up listen up it's dr bick and dr degrasse mental health tip of the day
All right. The mental health tip of the day is brought to you by nobody because we have no sponsors yet. But if you do want to sponsor this podcast, please do contact us. The psych effect podcast at gmail.com. We love sponsors and maybe the mental health tip of the day will be sponsored by someone in the future. Anyway, the mental health tip of the day today is it's not about why it's about what now. And I get a lot of patients come in to my office and they're wondering about making sense of a random world. You know, why did this happen to me? How could this happen to me? You know, I'm a good person. The things are things are going on in my life. And I try to explain to them that trying to make sense of a random world is going to make you, well, to use a, 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 an expre- kind of a, a bad expression, it's going to make you nuts, all right? And what you should probably try to do in, in, in the beginning is try and learn the skills to deal with the practical life that you have in front of you. Don't worry about why this is happening to you. Worry about the skills that you can use to deal with the emotions that you have in the moment to get past the emotions that you're having. If you want to deal with the why and the the how and all these questions, you can deal with that at some point. But in the moment, to deal with the things that are happening to you, it's best to learn skills to get past the emotions that you're having now. And once you're more stable and more able to handle those questions, then you can deal with them. So the tip is it's not about the why, it's about the what now. Yeah, that's, that's well said. I, I agree. You know, I usually go on that route with my, with my patients when they come to my office. And, and I always tell them, you know, whether they come for anxiety or for depression, Oftentimes, there's a, there's a reason, right? Oftentimes, it's situational, circumstantial. There's some family dynamic, work issues, anything that could actually um, affect the, the wellness and well-being. And what I tell them, I tell them to focus on what they can control. And one of the things that they can actually control is the way they respond to the stressors. Controlling yep. by going to therapy, meditating, working out, you know, breaking a sweat, but not trying. I know it's hard, but trying not to dwell under circumstances, you might not be able to change them tomorrow. Often not. Oftentimes you won't be able to change them by the day. You, like, you, like I mentioned wisely, you try to get better in the present and hopefully arm yourself with strategies to cope and maybe be in a better mental state to deal with these issues. And if you can control what happened to you, you definitely can control how you respond to it. Absolutely. Con- try and deal with what's in front of you Try and learn the coping skills to handle what's in front of you. And once you're stable, once you've got that on lock, then you can handle all of those what, why, how, when questions after that. All right, everybody. That's the psych effect for this week or this couple of weeks. We will be back again in episode three. We've got that lined up for you. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. All right. We'll see you then. Thank you, guys. 